0: Our first scripture reading comes from the book of Proverbs, chapter 25, verses 6 and 7. Do not put yourself forward in the king's presence or stand in the place of the great. For it is better to be told, come up here, than to be put lower in the presence of a noble. Our second reading comes from the gospel from Luke, chapter 1, verses 7 through 14. On one occasion, When Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down in the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited you, both of you, may come and say to you, give this person your place. Then in disgrace, you would, start, <clears throat> you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit at the lowest place. Then when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. <clears throat> For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who who humble themselves will be exalted. He also said to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or, or your brothers, your relatives, or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return, and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. And you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. This is God's story for God's people.
1: Let us pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations in each of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Last week, in the most recent sermon in the series Understanding the Bible, Adam took us into the Newer Testament, to the Gospels, a word that literally means good news. The Gospels tell the story of Jesus, our rabbi, whom Christians confess is the Savior. As theologian William Plaker reminds us, Jesus' name, probably something like Yehoshua in the language of his time, means the Lord saves. At the very beginning of the Newer Testament, page one of the first Gospel of Matthew, we get a sense of the importance of this name. As Plaker points out, When an angel tells Joseph to give to his and his spouse Mary's son the name Jesus, for, as Matthew writes, he will save his people from their sins. In other words, he will liberate God's human family from the separation caused by our breaking, our part of God's eternal covenant with us, a covenant in which God promises, as we have been learning these past weeks, To be our god and that we will be god's people forever so how does jesus the savior save as adam lifted up last week jesus saves us through the whole course of his i'm sorry through the whole course of his obedience to god and to that same covenant that god made Jesus is obedient to the overarching law of God's covenant found in the Hebrew Scriptures. In Deuteronomy, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your being, and with all your strength. And in the book of Leviticus, love your neighbor as yourself. And in Mark's Gospel, when questioned by the religious legal experts, which of God's laws was the most important? Jesus responded by reciting these two. These two laws of loving, he said, are the greatest of all of God's commandments. Jesus saves, liberates us through laws of love, which heals and transforms everything. This is God's agenda from the very beginning when God created the universe and looked at everything, looked at us and all creation and said, This is all very good. When we encounter Jesus in the Gospels, his teachings, his sometimes befuddling parables, what may seem on the surface to simply be moralisms or Jesus doing a lot of finger pointing or shaming, or in the case of Jesus' parable today, to seem like basic dinner party etiquette, we can be sure the one called Yehoshua, jesus who declared himself to be the fulfillment of all of god's law and the prophets is going so much deeper than that he is on god's search and rescue mission after all and he will go to the heart of the matter every time leading with love not with guilt or shame instilling but on a mission to teach us how to lead with love that all might be free that we might be saved from the bondage of ourselves, the ways of the world, the trappings of our transactional society, anything that leads us to our breaking our part of the covenant. Jesus is set on wooing us back home to God. When we approach the gospel of Jesus Christ, it seems to me a helpful question to keep before us is, how am I being invited Into love how am I being invited to the greater giving and receiving of love today we meet Jesus at the home of a leading Pharisee this Pharisee has invited him to a Sabbath meal and Luke tells us they were watching him closely many people watched Jesus some found him intriguing some, like the oppressed living at that time under Roman rule, found in him hope of God's coming realm of liberation. Some found him exasperating, like the religious lawkeepers and experts. They were looking for ways that Jesus was disregarding God's law, the ancient rules for living handed down to them by their faith ancestors. Some were plotting his death for the ways that he threatened the status quo and their privilege, their sense of security under Roman occupation. Well, whomever comprised the they that we are told were watching him closely, Luke tells us Jesus was also watching closely. He was observing the other guests at the dinner party. And here Luke serves to draw our attention back to Jesus away from those watching but to Jesus and the way he sees it, to how he will respond, that we, the audience, might come to see as he sees, that we might have God's vision. Jesus sees the guests vying for the best seats, scurrying to get to the places of honor. But he also witnesses the hosts who invited him, likely the privileged and most important people in that community. And from his observances, Jesus offers two teachings, One about being a guest, one about being a host. Both topsy-turvy responses according to the codes of the day and the world's messages of grab, get, gain. This is all in keeping with Luke's gospel motif of reversal. Flannery O'Connor was a southern U.S. author who died at a young age, the age of 39, from lupus. And I'm going to share a portion of one of her stories and to give you a context so you can hear her language, uh, realizing where O'Connor's writing from. She lived from 1925 to 1964. She was born, lived, and wrote from the American South. In one of the last stories she wrote called Revelation, O'Connor writes a story that comes to mind for uh, commentators on this Bible passage that we're experiencing today in Luke. And the Reverend Terry McDowell and Father Jim Harbaugh helped to unpack the gist of O'Connor's story called Revelation for Us. Mrs. Ruby Turpin is a stately, self-righteous Christian woman who has a vision that turns her world including her prejudiced assumptions upside down. Leading up to this vision, the very decent Ruby Turpin experiences a disturbing encounter with a college student, a young woman, while they're both waiting outside a doctor's office. Mrs. Turpin has just been gushing about how nice Negroes are, that she thinks some may even be a lot nicer than white trash, for instance. And after a stretch of this cheery smugness, the young college woman, who's the sort of crazed prophet character that O'Connor often inserts to her stories, erupts. She throws the thick psychology textbook she's been holding right at Ruby's head and calls her a warthog from hell. The student is subdued by bystanders And Ruby and her husband go home, offended and baffled. Ruby resentfully ponders this encounter as she surveys her immaculate pig farm, and then she experiences a world-altering vision. She sees a fiery streak in the dusk sky transform into a bridge from heaven to earth. Climbing the bridge, a vast horde of souls were rumbling to heaven. Souls that Mrs. Turpin had earlier judged as beneath her. Poor white folks climb to heaven clean for the first time in their lives. Black laborers dressed in royal robes proceed to salvation. And behind them, a bunch of freaks and lunatics shouting, clapping, leaping like frogs, all messily entering the glory of heaven. Bringing up the end of this procession, Mrs. Turpin recognizes herself, her husband, her people, marching with dignity behind the others, accountable as they always had been for good order and common sense and respectable behavior. Confused, Mrs. Turpin sees the shocked and altered faces of her people as last in line to heaven, as they see their esteemed virtues burn away in the lighting of the setting sun. At the Pharisees' dinner party scene in Luke, the behavior of the host and guests was proper and expected in that day under Roman hierarchical and the patronage system. Jesus knows this, but as the one sent from God to help usher in God's realm, a topsy-turvy way of being in the world, Jesus conveys a better way. And as in the wake-up call that Ruby Turpin received in that vision, Jesus prompts his listeners to examine their lives, their motives, to ask, is how I am doing things fostering freedom for myself, for others, or is it diminishing it? Jesus prompts us to ask as a person or people of God's covenant, is how I am living serving to strengthen my connection with God, with others, with my true self? Or is it serving to fracture any or all of those relationships? In other words, how does my way, my behavior, my words affect those around me? As the Gospel of Luke is the first volume in Luke's two-volume writings of Luke and the other book called The Acts of of, of the Apostles. In these books is where we witness the birth of the church. Luke's Jesus here is describing, yes, what the realm of God looks like, but for the disciples in Jesus' audience and for us today, Jesus is teaching He's instructing us on how to be a community of Christ followers, how to be those that point the way to Jesus Christ to others. In the book of Acts, we learn that the believers, those who formed the first Christian community, were, were gatherings in homes called house churches. They did not build church buildings or cathedrals. They did not have hierarchy, bishops, etc. They sold what they had and shared all things in common. They kept a common purse. They shared anything with anyone who had a need so that everyone with their needs met could be free to focus on the main ingredient of God's gospel, love, giving, receiving, and growing God's love in the world. A teacher at a Catholic high school shares this story that many of his students would initial their papers with JMJ, for Jesus, Mary, Joseph, as a prayer that God might intercede for them (laughs) and give them a high grade. I know in Cincinnati, many of you can relate with Catholic school and evoking the saints. Well, later on in his teaching career, this teacher learned about a student who used to initial papers not with JMJ, but with IJHTBH, which stood for, I'm just happy to be here. (laughs) This struck me as a helpful reminder for us today of our call into joy. God created us for joy. And to enjoy this present moment, to be mindful of where our feet are, of who is before our eyes at any given moment, declaring for us our mission field, any given moment is right where we are. Rather than focusing only on expectations we have for our lives or striving for honor, for gain, or success of some sort, the invitation is always to be where Jesus is. Where Jesus is looking which is always right where we are Maya Angelou has a one of her well-known quotes which was on a bookmark I received a couple of days ago she writes I've learned that people will forget what you said people will forget what you did but people will never forget how you made them feel So I invite us to pause for a moment together to reflect on this, this truth, and to consider how has this been true for you in your life? What you may have forgotten was said or done, but how what was said and done left you feeling And now returning to those papers initialed I-J-H-T-B-H, what experiences have served to foster that feeling for you of I'm just happy to be here? Take a moment to ponder that. And now consider the deeper invitation of Jesus' parables today to consider how can we live in a way to foster the sense of serenity of, I'm just happy to be here for others. In other words, how can we foster a sense of belonging? That's what Jesus was all about, wanting to ensure people knew they belonged. And perhaps this can be our spiritual practice this week, to initial our papers, our activities, our words, our whole stance in our day in each moment with I-J-H-T-B-H as we stay close to Jesus, our Savior, who leads us to our God of the covenant, who declares to us what is true, forever i have called you by name you are precious in my sight you are more than enough and i love you thanks be to god amen